0: Welcome back to the Potluck Podcast. Big game on tap Friday night in Ray Lamb Stadium amongst the trees and the rolling hills of Commerce, Georgia. As defending state champion Irwin County will make the trip up from the plains of Osceola. Recap of round two playoff action as well as quarterfinal previews from across the state of Georgia in this episode of the Potluck Podcast. Listening to the Potluck Podcast, the official, unofficial podcast of Commerce Football. Over one thousand plays of the old podcast this year. Thanks to all of you out there in Podcastville for listening in brief shout out to the cross country team and coach hell uh congratulations on back-to-back state titles and on coach hell's retirement coach Hill certainly one of our our favorites when we were in high school yep. so well deserved uh good to see him gonna get some time off maybe uh but uh not before he delivered two state champions <laughs> i'm host one of two here at the potluck podcast colton dean joined alongside me as always is mason westmoreland otherwise known better known as uncle song <laughs> uncle song how are we doing
1: Doing pretty good today, Dino, out here on the front porch today overlooking uh, the landscape and thinking about some high school football. Excited to welcome uh, Irwin County up here
0: to the Piedmont and uh, looking forward to a good ball game tomorrow night. Yep, i tell you what, we had a real good one on Friday night in Ray Lamb Stadium against Gordon Lee. That is where we left off final was Commerce 28, Gordon Lee 14. The Commerce Tigers advance into round three of the state playoffs. That would be the Elite Eight. Our pregame predictions were myself with Commerce 38, Gordon Lee 21 and Uncle Saul, Commerce 24, Gordon Lee 14. Real close there, Uncle Saul. Yeah,
1: I'm getting back to early season form. It's it's weird. Like in the beginning of the year, I'll pick games pretty good and then uh, middle of the year, I just am not good. <laughs> but now, you know, who knows? You're back. You're I'm back. back.
0: What did you see out there on Friday night?
1: Uh, Well, I saw a pretty good ball game. Uh, I enjoyed being there Friday night. Uh, We started out with senior Bo Childers and uh, Logan Crocker leading the Tigers onto the field as captains. We won the toss and took the ball in uh, accordance with commerce tradition. Mm -hmm. Uh, We opened up shop on our 35 after a good return by Creed Dunbar. The Tigers marched all the way down to the field 65 yards and scored a two-yard touchdown rush to the right side by sophomore quarterback trey huff diaz pat was good confidence at an all-time high at it, this moment. yeah we we were feeling really good like we were <laughs> we were thinking more like your score than my score yeah at that point uh you know that drive took five minutes and five seconds that was another thing that that helped us with our confidence uh diaz came back kicked touchback and gordon lee took over on offense. Uh, Gordon Lee got right to work and scored in one minute and 49 seconds. Uh, confidence comes back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, sophomore running back Nate Dunphy found a crease off the right side of the line and took it 53 yards for a touchdown. PAT, good. And, and that was one of the things That's we talked up. about last week. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw on film they pop those long runs if they can get that crease off the end. And uh, they did that against us in the first, first quarter. Yeah, that's kind of when we realized it, what kind of game it was really going to be. Yeah. Uh, Commerce ended the first quarter with the ball. Second quarter, it took a little over two minutes into that quarter, but our Tigers found pay dirt again. Uh, Draylen Martin capped a 78-yard drive with a two-yard touchdown leap over the backs of the Tiger linemen. Uh, Diaz's point after trial was successful. Commerce led 14-7. to for the rest of the half, things kind of went back and forth. Uh, we traded possessions, but didn't score. Uh, Gordon Lee did get really close, though. Um, they failed to convert on a fourth down attempt deep within the Tiger red zone. Uh, if you guys were at the game or you know were watching the game, this was the, the play where they threw the pass out of the, the back of the so this halfback pass. Uh, really thought they might kid, catch us sleeping on that play. It was a pretty good play call, it just didn't work out. Um, the score remained 14-7 to after a 45-minute first half. Really fast
0: first half. Dino, you know what did you see in the second half? Yeah, the third quarter and the fourth quarter, that's really where things started to get pretty yeah. crazy. Um, the Trojans came out with an impressive drive to open the half. Uh, Cade Peterson, the name that we heard all night long, carried it several times on the drive. Offense moved it out across the Tiger 50. The Trojans faced a couple crucial third downs, which were converted. One by Peterson on the ground, and on a third and short in Tiger territory, the Tiger defense jumps on the freeze play. Uh, gave them an easy first down. Two plays later, Peterson finished off the drive, and they tie the ball game up 14-all with 3.47 left in the third. Kind of a masterful drive to come out of the, the locker room for – the Trojans there that nodded it up 14-all.
1: Yeah, and at this point in the game, I looked at your brother and I said, you know, we may only get one or two more possessions in the Mm -hmm. game, because they
0: took so much time off the clock with that drive, and they looked really good. They did. Tigers get the ball on the next possession. Creed Dunbar gives them great field positions with a return out to the 42-yard line. Two big runs from Draylon Martin and Sammy Brown followed that, and the Tigers were off and running into Trojan territory things slowed down from there as the offense stalled out they faced a third and six they went to martin and he picked up four i think that was a situation that was two down territory um so we were just trying to get as close to the sticks as possible if not get the first down because you knew you were going to go for it on fourth and two uh timeout called by coach brown there and out of the timeout the tigers move early false start by uh several tigers it seemed yeah it was like the whole left side of the line jumped early so another timeout because that moved it back to fourth and seven um and enter. Lose used play of the game. Trey Huff to Sammy Brown, 4th and 7, 33-yard pass for 6. That made it 20-14 to 14 Tigers before the Diaz. PAT made it 21-14 to 14 with 32 seconds left in the quarter. Lou's used. Get that get those men a clock. Get them. Get them a clock. We need that clock. You Lou, know, if you're listening right now, you're the man. Get them some clocks. He gave us some praise this week. He did. he I think uh, Lou has figured out how to listen to podcasts. So <laughs> look out. Joe helped him out. Look out. Had to.
1: But, no, I made the comment to several people this week that in this play, uh, I think Sammy probably brought his father's blood pressure down, <laughs> you know, hundreds of points. After that uh, – That jump off sides, you know, we called a freeze play on that that fourth and two, and we jumped. And Coach Brown called a timeout, and then one timeout wasn't enough. You know,
0: we called another one, and, uh, you know, it it was just a – That was a – there was a lot of things going on in that, you know, three to four-minute window where it was like, okay, fourth and two, like this is a huge play, Mm -hmm. tie ball game. You know, this could determine the outcome of the game. And then, you you know, then you false start – call another timeout. Now you've used two timeouts and it's a tie game and it's fourth and seven. Now it's like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. The pressure's even more. This is not good. (laughs) And then, uh, you know, drop back and Sammy's out there wide open. But at the same time, he dropped one in the first half that was a a similar, and that's all going through your head at the same time and you're like, oh man, this is too much.
1: Three out of the last four weeks watching Commerce Football, I have question the strength of my heart (laughs) and I'm worried about Friday night because I don't want to have a heart attack
0: uh, this
1: is it's been a crazy end to the season you know I I say end it's the latter part of the season
0: yeah the the last two games Washington Wilson Lincoln were both super close and now this one was super close and man yeah heart problems look out uh next Gordon Lee drives uh that takes him into the third into the fourth quarter excuse me Gordon Lee, they were faced with a test early in the drive with a third and four in their own territory, and they convert with Peterson. Two plays later, they complete a 20-plus yard pass down to the left side a Tiger territory on the 45. They opt to throw it again on second down. They had a man wide open across the middle, but could not connect. Um, it could have been something to do with the wind there. Going into that, that end of the field did seem like it was a lot more windy than going into the other side, uh, facing the, the Tiger, that is. Um, ultimately uh the tigers d does hold for a fourth and eight the trojans punt with the tigers in safe and it is a terrible punt to this net four yards
1: yeah uh and i use old larry munson quote lady luck was on our side friday night we we caught some breaks gordon lee did not catch some breaks and this was one of those times where they just i mean how does that happen a four yard punt in that critical moment." Uh,
0: Sometimes that's just what you need. It's lady luck on your side. She seems to be on our side three of the last four games for sure. So, Uh hopefully that keeps going. The Tigers (laughs) take over on their own 39-yard line, looking for a nice drive to put the game away, you know, make it two scores. There's 820 left in the game. Kind of looked at you and said, you know, just one of those long, Mm. nice, long drives. Make them burn their timeouts and just, you know, grind them out. Uh, Sammy Brown went for a long run right off the the bat uh, on down the right sideline. That is uh, all negated by a personal foul on the Tigers of face masks, hands to the face. I'm not really quite clear. what I watched the play back a few times, and I don't know, I never saw it, so. It would have been hard to see from our vantage
1: point, but I watched the referees interact with Coach Brown, and he he wasn't too upset.
0: Yeah, he was So it probably happened. It did end up costing the Tigers roughly 35 yards, so they're way back behind the sticks on second down. Sammy does get 14 or so yards back on the next play, that still brings up a third and long. Huff looks for Frady's on third and long, but they cannot connect on a deep ball. It was there, mm-hmm. and that leads to a punt. Now, this is where – see, this this could be a split lose-use play of the game. It really could. Because this play was unbelievable. This is the best play from a punter I've seen on any level of football this year, given the situation. High snap, sails over Boat Shoulders' head, and is on the loose. It's rolling around down on the 15 of the Tigers – Trojans closing in, and Childers somehow, the presence of mind, corrals the ball, takes a step forward, and punts it away amidst the chaos. It was probably three or four white shirts right on him. Just calmly grabbed the ball, took a couple steps forward, and booted it. And not only did he get it off, completely flips the field, finally rolls dead on the Trojan 23. That's a wild play. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you know, we talked about it because after it happened, it it didn't even feel like it happened. It was just unreal. It was unbelievable. And you were like, "How did he get away from all those guys?" And uh, we talked about it as Colton's mail gets delivered. We're out here in the middle of the day today. Um, but yeah, we we talked about it, and it. was like, how in the world did he get that that kick off? Because there were like, you were right. There are a lot of Trojans. There was at
0: them. least three. There may have been four. But I think they were afraid of of roughing the a punter. little, bit. and they, they did, and w- when he stepped up, they had outran it a little bit, like they had almost outran the what with his plan in mind you know to step up and kick yeah. the ball. It's almost like they thought he was going to run, so mm-hmm. they like had him on the flanks and they, you know it was a It was a confusing situation, yeah especially for you know for <laughs> given the situation with a quarter and you're down and you just you know you don't want to make a mistake, but at the same time. You're trying to just get the ball, you know. Just a weird situation, but uh Boat Shoulders definitely saved the day there. Uh the Gordon Lee drive goes nowhere this time. It felt like that was a momentum it was. shift that they just couldn't couldn't recover from. The Tiger D stepped up in a huge way on fourth down. Trey Huff, I believe, was the one that, that came up out of his safety position and stopped him on fourth and three. I couldn't really tell on the film. Um it could have been Might have been Holbrook. Could have been I can't remember who it was, but either way, the D stepped up big. Uh and uh, got you know, ultimately, they turn the ball over on downs. Tigers uh, take over with a little over five minutes left in the game. Two runs with Martin, leaves them looking at third and one. The drama was not over. So they go <laughs> with Elijah Burns, who has the first down, but is hit fairly hard. The ball's jarred loose, and it's rolling luckily backwards, that way the Tigers can uh, jump back on it, but now they're facing a fourth and three. So it's still a one-score game. You're facing Mm -hmm. fourth and three from the 26-yard line and uh, could potentially give the ball back to the Trojans with plenty of uh, time on the clock to tie. Uh, Sammy Brown gets the call and uh, gets the Tiger first down. Him and the blockers get it done there. Uh, Sammy later closes the drive with a touchdown from 11 yards out. The DSPAT is good. Final, Tigers 28, Trojans 14. And before we get into the stats review, I do want to issue a huge shout-out to Gordon Lee, Seemed like they brought half the town of Chickamauga down and um, just a, a bit a huge crowd. Cade uh, Peterson, also one of the best players in the history of their program, was a heck of a player, uh, just a really well-coached team. They were hard to beat. Um, so hats off to them on a great season and for bringing down probably more fans than Commerce had, to be honest with you. I don't know about that. It, they I, had I, a want, lot of, I want to call our fans out. I don't. I, there was a lot of empty bleachers, yeah. and that, that's not something that you should see in round two of the state playoffs. Right. Uh, and I don't think it'll be this way Friday night or that way. I think the rain kind of scared folks off. Listen, if you're scared of rain, are you a witch? <laughs> I ain't. What you scared of rain for? Get uh, them out. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I want to call them out. I if agree. you weren't there and you were then driving distance. I agree. You're a
1: witch. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I agree with you, though, about Gordon Lee. I It was a, a great showing from their fans. I have a ton of respect from their program. Uh, we talked about how similar commerce and Gordon Lee – were as a as a team um on friday night and uh just the way we played. they played hard they were disciplined uh we played hard we were disciplined I, I was really impressed by them
0: yeah i mean in all seriousness great crowd great game two really good programs this year that kind of tough to see one lose because they yeah. were like you said they were really similar um and I'm not done harping on that. I'm not done harping on the fans. I there better be more fans this Friday night. I think there will be stats to review. Get into it, son.
1: So along that same line, uh the the stats were were eerily similar this week between the two teams. There were there were a couple of differing stats that I'm gonna touch on, uh, but there were a ton of stats that were similar and I I wanna thank again weekly, we thank uh Mr. Gaddis for giving mm-hmm. us these stats Shout because they AMS. add a lot to our show and to our um Analysis of each game Friday night. But here, to begin, these are the stats that differed for the Tigers and Trojans. So, uh, Commerce was three out of three in the red zone for touchdowns. Gordon Lee, when they got in the red zone, they only could capitalize one time Mm -hmm. out of two. Uh, So, we we were 100% for touchdowns in the red zone. They were only 50%. Uh, The turnover battle. Um, So... We were negative one. Mm-hmm. Gordon Lee was plus one. So we lost the turnover battle. Um, that actually did not come back to hurt us as much as it probably could have. Um, but but that was a stat that stuck out to me. Now on to our similar stats. Total yards for the game. Commerce High School, 251. Gordon Lee, 260. Only nine yards separated the two teams in total total yards. Rushing yards. Commerce High School, 219. Gordon Lee, 198. Both teams averaged 5.21 yards per carry on the ground, which is insane that it's that similar. Uh, Both teams uh, had 13 first downs. Um, Both had seven offensive possessions. And both had three penalties. Uh, Commerce had three penalties for 26 yards. Gordon Lee had three penalties for 27 yards. So a whole lot of similarities between these two teams in the statistics, Um, and I I think it just really speaks to to how evenly matched the teams were. Uh, Individual stats for the Tigers that stuck out. uh, We'll start with rushing. That's one of the most dominant phases of Commerce's uh, attack. Sammy Brown, he led the Tigers with 107 yards, rushing on 12 carries, one touchdown. Draylen Martin, we talk we talk about Draylen and Martin, Draylen Martin a lot between the two of us. He is one of the most underrated players on our team. He gets the ball a lot on first down and picks up five, six yards, four yards sometimes. But those those plays are almost always positive plays. As Cashay Daniels rolls by, <laughs> all right, legend, legend of Tiger, Tiger Town.
0: <laughs> That's a good omen right there. That is a good omen. I love that. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, just to touch on Draylen a little more, not only that, but his play out of the corner position when he's able to shield the get-off blocks and then, like, make a play, you know, way on the outside by himself, one or two, you know, yards gained. That's – some of the plays that he makes out there are super impressive. He's really strong.
1: He's really fast. He defeats a lot of wide receivers' blocks.
0: Yeah. Which is a, is
1: necessary. Yep. And he's good at coverage. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a locked down corner, so uh, stud. we're really big on Draylen Martin here. 69 yards on 16 carries, which isn't an eye-popping stat line, but a lot of those yards are hard fought and they're coming on first and second down for positive yardage. He scored a touchdown. Trey Huff picked up 24 yards from his quarterback position on nine carries with one touchdown, and Sherman added a couple nice runs for 22 yards. Uh, passing, I wanted to touch on passing because we did score a touchdown. Trey Huff, Connected with Sammy Brown for one reception of thirty two yards and a score um special teams special teams um was a big imp- had a big impact on the game on Friday night kind of as we talked about Creed Dunbar has done well this season overall as a return man
0: there's always he only... a lot Friday he did night. he got he got him you know out across the 30 and across the 40 a couple of times. We Starting field position, I wish that I had
1: kept stats on starting field position this year. That's been a huge advantage all year for us. It's helped our offense incredibly, and the defense, because we can pin them back with the touchbacks, and then we can help our offense with the the returns. But Creed had three returns for 49 yards in all, which is a pretty good stat line. Um, Diaz... Kicking the ball was four out of four on his PATs, and he only had 20% touchbacks. But as Dino was saying, the wind played a major factor in the ball ballgame. Uh, when I did the weather report Friday night, the wind wasn't whipping that much. But as that storm system kind of moved out, it picked up, and it made an impact on the touchbacks. Uh, I mean, to the point where it destroyed Gordon Lee's tent. I mean, we watched that. On Friday on it was it great was suite. they took they took the tent cover off. It was just the shell at the <laughs> end of the game.
0: Yeah,
1: um, we we got going to touch on Childers again with his his great punt on the stat line. It doesn't look like a great punt. Uh, it only netted for thirty nine yards, but from way back where he was on the fifteen, it was a whole lot longer. <laughs> yeah, than that. it was like an eighty yard kick almost. Yeah, I mean put under the field complete duress duress. <laughs> but him uh, on the line. I did want to kind of introduce a new award. We we've been giving lose used almost all season, but um, we don't we don't shout out a lot of linemen don't get used. The hogs used oh, hogs. Here come the hogs. But we wanted to give a new award to the hogs, and and this first inaugural Hucks Hamburgers Lineman of the Week goes to Big Bo Childers, senior <laughs> lineman, punter. Defensive lineman, number 72, has had a great season. One of our favorite players to watch in space and in blocking. Uh, we're just really excited about the career that Bo's had and uh, the great plays that he's made and contributions to the
0: Tigers team.
1: And want to celebrate him
0: with this award. Absolutely. And then uh, not to leave anybody off the list, Peyton Freeman I saw he graded out 96%. Yeah. So, this was uh this may be a split this may be a split hot yeah. hamburger lineman of the week because that right side really showed out
1: they did and the reason i didn't want to award it to Peyton was because he already got the prestigious Habersham emc lineman of the week from blitz sports so <laughs> i want to balance it out on that right side and That's get right it to to childers understandable defensively <laughs> we had a lot of big tacklers on on defense um continue to see a lot of uh names pop up here over the season um the the same names I should say. Gray Holbrook led the Tigers from his line back in position. Um, nine and a half tackles on Friday night. Trey Huff, strong safety, came in big with eight tackles. I think Trey plays plays strong safety, right? Yeah. Creed plays free safety. Uh, so eight tackles from the quarterback strong Where's safety. We got a lot of a lot of traffic on this road. Today. <laughs> it is it's been a unreal. A lot of truck traffic. Uh um, a lot. A ton. On the on the defensive line, Peyton Freeman led the Tigers with six tackles. I think that's the first time Peyton's led the Tigers on the defensive line this season. Hunter Nunn, I wanted to mention him because he had seven tackles. He's he's all the time making tackles, just like mm-hmm. Holbrook is.
0: Uh, and Childers had four tackles from his defensive end position. Yeah, out of those – man, Holbrook's really come on strong ever since. I mean, you know, he's been good all year, but that Washington looks. That's when you first like. Uh, when he made the biggest impact was that yeah. game, obviously, with the fumble, forcing the fumble on the backfield. And since then, he's made at least two or three big, big plays. Yeah, and if you remember, he was injured in the early season. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't have him. He wasn't available. Mm-hmm. And when he
1: came in, the, you, the coaches didn't know how, how much he'd be able to play. Uh, but he has. He is, he's been a game changer, uh, like in that washington Wilkes game. But uh, – and also I wanted to credit Bo Childers. I'm I'm just giving a whole lot of credit I just to Bo throw credit
0: everywhere. But credit. he, he has due
1: where it's where due where it is due. He had a huge quarterback pressure on third uh-huh. down at some sometime in the game. I can't remember when it was, but that brought up a fourth down in a very crucial moment. He almost had a sack. Um but those were the stats that I wanted to touch on both corporately as a team and individually as
0: players. A great night, all in all, in Ray Lamb Stadium. A good win for the Tigers. The uh, Tigers are still alive. We're still playing, and we have a big one this week that we'll get into later. But let's touch on uh, round two results, it's week 16. I'll start by saying that Region 8 performed really well again. The two seed, Washington Wilkes, 34-17 to over Bowden, which was the Region 6 champions. Um Dalen Cobb went seven out of seven last week with three touchdowns, one through the air and two on the ground. Zacchaeus Jackson rushed for 158 yards and a touchdown, so uh, congrats to the other Tigers in Region 8. Lincoln County, the three seed, uh, took out longtime rival, Hancock Central, Region 7 champs, 28-6. to 6. Tevin Gartrell rushed for 110 yards and two touchdowns to propel the Red Devils to the quarterfinals. So Region 8 three teams in the quarterfinals.
1: Yeah, and this is a huge point of pride for us. Like we, we knew Washington Wilkes and Lincoln County were good teams. We knew Commerce had a great team in the season, but we didn't know how we'd match up on the state level. And right now, on Friday night, tomorrow night, we have a chance as a region to make a huge statement. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, for a long time, Region 2 has been the dominant region in single A public ball.
0: Yep.
1: But Friday night, we got a say in that day yeah.
0: can could could possibly you know change that conversation. Could be. Uh, before we get into the, all those conversations that we definitely will have, single A private local results. Athens Academy falls to Fellowship Christian forty nine to fourteen. George Walton wins a close one against Christian Heritage twenty eight to twenty five. Prince Avenue convincingly over Darlington forty two to six. Wesleyan twenty to seventeen over North Cobb Christian. A little stat from that game: the last second field goal won it for Wesleyan from Brooks Sturgeon. He's also the punter and had two punts down to inside the five yard line. So wow. huge special teams play uh, from Wesleyan in that one. Uh, I do not know what happened to Athens Academy. Like
1: a forty-nine to fourteen loss in the second round of the playoffs. Right after seeing the quality of team that they had when they played us, I just I don't know what happened to
0: them. Um, I think they kind of gave up once they lost. Checked the out. They kind of checked out a little bit. I you know. You don't you don't necessarily know for sure what they have. Again, we're living in a world full of COVID, like and yeah. who knows what what happened. So like we don't know for sure that everyone played, but the talent they had, what we saw that night in September, or October, whenever that was, that was a uh, top five team yeah. in the state is what we saw that night. Now it doesn't look like that team came to play on Friday night. Um, nothing against Fellowship Christian. We'll talk about them later and kind of the season they're having. Um, but double A ball locally, Fannin County wins again, <laughs> twenty-one to fourteen over Heard County. Fannin County reaches ten wins in the quarterfinals for the first time in twenty-five years. Also locally is Raven County, thirty-five to zero over Model.
1: Yeah. Don't
0: correct me, son. It's Model. You tried to you tried to get me on Model. You tried to get me on Modal. But guess what? It's Model. Names are so hard in the state of Georgia. You got Adale, <laughs> but you got
1: Model. I mean, how? What's going on there, guys? But now, big, big, big shout out to Fannin County. I'm proud of those guys. Mm-hmm. That's a that's big for them. Heard
0: County was a good for team. Sure. Yeah, they were for sure. We'll we'll talk some more Fannin County later in the episode. Triple A ball, local teams. North Hall falls to GAC, 33 to zero. Oconee County hammers Dawson County, 42 to seven. In 4A locally, you had Flowery Branch shut out by Maris, 24 to zero. Jefferson continues the winning ways over Hatefield Charter, 35 to zero. North Oconee Falls big to Cedar Town, fifty-six to nothing. In five A locally, the game that we uh, covered last week and kind of kept our eye on on Friday night from the stands was Calhoun and Clark Central. Uh, it was a big game down in Athens. Calhoun comes away winners, thirty-three to fourteen. Six uh, A locally, Buford advances with a forty-two to seven win over Cambridge. In seven A, that's pretty much it. Uh, no really, real local teams uh, are still remain, but we will talk about those matchups in the elite eight that are coming up as well any thoughts on those results before we get into previews? song we just saw a cyclist go by in front of the house (laughs) there's a cyclist someone just turned around in my neighbor's driveway that guy's not the cyclist is not going very fast by the way he's just out for a leisurely stroll which shout out to him great day for a leisurely stroll beautiful weather hopefully the weather's like this friday night are we done with results? <laughs> yeah, it's just a weird day pod. Yeah, let's go on into the, the, the Elite Eight. All right, Elite Eight. Gosh, this is no break. This, this, is, this is tough here. <laughs> uh, round three. So the Elite Eight preview. Let Look at the birds chirping around. Jeez, a lot going on here. Tough to, tough to concentrate, but we'll do it for the people. Single A private, uh, Calvary Day at home against number 10, George Walton. So George Walton creeping into the top 10. They are favored. George Walton is by ten on the road. Maxwell projected score is twenty-four to fourteen. So, just to toot my own horn, for here, (laughs) your boy playoff preview. Go back. Go. It's on the tape. (laughs) I said George Walton's gonna make a run in this in this uh, in this quarter of the playoff bracket. And it looks like they will, as long as they can get it done against Calvary Day. They got a good shot to win that game. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Uh, number eight, Savannah Christian hosts number five, Wesleyan. Savannah Christian is projected to win 21-20. to 20. Uh, A stat of note, Savannah Christian is 1-5 in five in their last six quarterfinal appearances. Number seven, Trinity Christian taking on number three, Fellowship Christian at home. Uh, told you we were going to talk more about this in just a moment. Uh, Fellowship Christian uh, had the statement win last week over Athens Academy. Quietly have been dominating in the shadow of Prince and Elka. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lead private in scoring, and they lead uh, private in Defense. points allowed as well. They will be 24-point favorites on the road, projected score of 31-7 to 7 over Trinity Christian. The big one in single-A private, number one Prince Avenue hosts number two Elka. These two faced last year in round two an absolute shootout. Final score was sixty two to fifty seven in favor of Elka. Maxwell does like the Wolverines this time around, twenty eight to nineteen. So a nine point spread there in that one. This is one in the playoff preview that we both thought that the winner of this game's gonna win state.
1: Yeah, and I think there's gonna be a whole lot more points scored than twenty eight to nineteen.
0: <laughs> I mean I just I, I don't see that. But yeah, I, I think the nine point spread Maybe something that I'd maybe agree with, Uh, maybe maybe closer than that, maybe like seven. But, yeah, I'm thinking 62 to 57 is more like what we'll (laughs) we'll see, not 28 to 19. Double-A action. Number eight, Callaway, host number three, Thomasville. Thomasville is favored by four on the road. Number five, Jefferson County, host Bremen. Bremen, one of the only teams in northwest Georgia still kind of duking it out, at least in the ones that Commerce is familiar with. Uh, Jefferson County favored by 5, 24-19 is the projected score there. Number 7, Fannin County, is set to host number 1, Fitzgerald. So back to Fannin County, they're 0-4 all-time against rake teams. Fitzgerald, 15 points favorites up in the mountains of Blue Ridge. So again, Fannin County having one of those big, huge years This super rare for their program, but unfortunately, number 1, Fitzgerald's coming up to the mountains. I'd like to see this game, at least for the first half,
1: just to see how it looks, like what does Fitzgerald look like in uniform play in Fannin County? Like, that's a big difference in, in like, cultures and in teams. Like, I, I this is a really intriguing game to me, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I, I think it, Fitzgerald's going to win it convincingly. But it's I diesel am, day.
0: It's diesel it day. Is. we got diesels going by left and right. Look at Fast, too. Look at, they might be racing. They might be. It's a gas burner. But, yeah, I I think this is going to be an interesting game. I, like I said, I think Fitzgerald will roll. Number um, two, Raven County hosting Bleckley County. Bleckley County is the only four seed alive across all classifications. <laughs> Raven County projected to win 34-17 to 17 in Clayton. So, two uh, interesting double-A ball games taking place up in the North Georgia Mountains.
1: Yeah, uh, double-A ball
0: is alive in the mountains. I think Raven will win bigger than that, too. Triple A, number eight, Applin County hits the road to play number five, GAC. Only a one-point favorite is GAC there, so essentially a toss-up. Number six, Pierce County will host Carver Atlanta. Carver is the only school, I think out of 14 in the city of Atlanta that are still alive in these playoffs, Pierce is favored by 14. Number four, Crisp County at home against number one, Cedar Grove. Cedar Grove defeated Rockmark, uh 30-27 to in overtime last week. This is a rematch of the 2019 state championship. Uh, which was won by Cedar Grove. Mm-hmm. Cedar Grove is favored by nine in that one. Number uh, rounding out AAA number two, Oconee County will host number three Peach County. Neither team has allowed more than sixteen points all season long. Oconee County is favored by six. Peach
1: County may get Oconee County, and nobody has really come at them in AAA so
0: far this year. So uh, that'll that'll be an interesting game. Yeah, I kind of like the six points there in Peach County in that one. Yeah. Uh, quad a so all region champs are still alive uh, all one seeds have made it to the quarterfinals which is the only classification that can say that number four Benedictine hosting Riverdale Benedictine favored by 15 over Riverdale Town number seven they're at home against number six Bainbridge <laughs> this is the Kirby versus Chubb show here <laughs> Bainbridge favored by three over Cedartown on the road. What do you think the odds are that Kirby they and Chubb – They have a Chub, bet going.
1: Well, they have a bet going, definitely. No doubt. Are they going to watch the game together
0: at that stadium? Well, I don't I don't know. I, well, what's going on? I don't even know what's going on with UGA football right I now. I don't either. They've canceled so many. Are they playing this week? Are they going to play
1: another game this season? I don't
0: know. This is just – they they shouldn't. They should just say, you know what, we're we're kind of done here. Yeah. There's nothing to play for. Yeah. But no, yeah, the Kirby and Chubb game. So uh, I'm sure maybe they've got the text thread going, just Definitely. talking trash to one another. <laughs> number eight Perry will host number one Marist. Marist is favored by sixteen, uh, by 26. Excuse me. Number two Jefferson at Memorial Stadium taking on number three Carver Columbus. Jefferson's favored by 31. Holy smokes. So that score is projected at 31 to zero. Uh, it seems like Maris and Jefferson are just kind of on a collision course yeah. in, tri- in quadruple A. Yeah.
1: Cedartown may have something to say about that, Benedictine as well, but that may be your final four.
0: Or Bainbridge. Bainbridge is on the road. Come they can come up. 5A, uh, number three, Ware County, host number four, Cartersville. This is the longest trip in the state, if you think about it. Northwest, Cartersville is way up there and, and way is <laughs> way down there. Uh, first meeting for these two teams, Ware County is favored by four Blessed Trinity's number one. They're hosting number two, Warner Robbins. This is the other number one versus number two this week. We talked about Prince and Elka. This is the other one. Warner Robbins is favored by four. That'll be a great game. Number mm-hmm. ten, Jones County at home versus East Side. Jones County is favored by seven. Number seven, Calhoun will host number five Coffee. Coffee is favored by six.
1: Yeah. I five A, I'm like you. You know my eyes start to glaze over a little bit.
0: I like Calhoun. I like Cal. So Cartersville. But now you're getting into teams that I can actually get into. Ware County, Cartersville, Warner Robins. Those those are traditional. Yeah. You know strongholds. Right. Calhoun. Blessed Trinity. That's another one. Yeah. Th- those those schools are. I can I can watch those. Um, now at first there's a ton of schools that are like new since like 2010. I have no idea who they even are. Uh, which we'll get into those in 6A. <laughs> number 10 Carrollton. They're going to host Valdosta. Austin. Valdosta's number six. Vald is favored by seven. Uh, in their bid to reach the semis for the first time since 2016. Number five, River Ridge hosts number one, Lee County. This is a – River Ridge, never heard of them. This is their <laughs> first quarterfinals appearance. Uh, they were – I think the first year they were a school was 2009. So that's why I've never heard of them. Yeah. Lee County favored by 15. Number three, Westlake hosting number four, Alatoona. This is the high scoring teams in 6A. So watch out for the scoreboard there. Westlake favored by seven. Number two, Buford host number seven, Hughes. Hughes, another team team that uh, I've never heard of. (laughs) Their school was founded in 2009. That was right on the end of my high school career. So no clue who Hughes is or River Ridge. But congratulations, guys, on getting to the Elite Eight. (laughs) Buford's favored by only seven. So that's kind of a a close line for the Wolves there. Yeah, I think so. But I I still like Buford to win their first title in 6A. Yep, 7A. Uh, Lowndes, number four, they're on the road at number seven, Milton. Lowndes favored by 13. Number three, Norco- Norcross hosts number two, uh, Colquitt County. So a long drive up there from uh, Moultrie for the boys. Uh, both are undefeated. Colquitt County is favored by 17. Number one, Grayson hosting West Forsyth. Grayson's favored by 31. Same exact line as Jefferson. They're mm-hmm. favored to win 31-0. to And number six, Collins Hill rounds out uh, 7A by hosting Parkview. Collins Hill is favored by 8. Um, I think 7A, I, the winner of Norcross and Colquitt County, will play Grayson. Um, so next week, Matt, to get old TB on the pod, see what right. he's up to. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he'll be he'll be willing to talk about Colquitt County and Grayson as that's going to be a matchup of really two, by anyone's standards, two top 20 teams in the nation. Yeah. And even by a few rankings standards, top two top 10 teams in the nation.
1: Yeah, and – to be fair, Colquitt has to get past Norcross, and I would, oh, take, no pushover.
0: I would take Norcross with 17. And 17, especially at home. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Norcross and Colquitt's going to be a good one to keep up with on Friday night. But it's bread and butter time. <laughs> it's time for single A public. The best classification in all the land. <laughs> <laughs> the number one Metter Tigers playing host to surprising Warren County. Warren County's had some good results out of Region 7. Metter favored by 28.
1: I'd take Warren County in that one too. I think the Screaming Devils are going to make a little bit of
0: noise before they scream themselves out and get beat by Metter. The Devils are the Screaming variety. Lincoln County is at home, at home as a three seed in the Elite Eight. Kind of wild. It is. Red Devils will host Clinch County, two of the most recognizable schools really across the landscape of the entire high school football you know world in the Peach State. Um, this is the tenth meeting between these two schools, all of which have come in the playoffs. Lincoln County does lead the series five to four as of now. Clinch is favored by eight.
1: This is going to be a close game. I think. I think it might even be closer than eight. Uh, I I want to say Lincoln's going to win this game, but I don't know. I mean, Clinch has been so unpredictable, and I think Clinch is really hitting their stride. They are. Like if I had to say how Clinch was going to play, they're 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 going to play well. Um but Lincoln at home is Lincoln at home, and I think I think the Red Devils are
0: gonna, I think they're gonna shock some people and beat Clinch here. Oh, bold predictions there from Son. Uh, one thing's for sure that that'll be a packed stadium. I know that Lincolnton's gonna bring the bring the crowd out. I know yeah. Clinch travels well. That's a, that's two historic teams playing each other, so that'll be a good one. Brooks County will host the other Tigers, the Blue Tigers <laughs> from Region Eight. Our friends, uh, Washington Wilkes. Brooks County's favored by 14. That's a long trip to Washington Wilkes, or for Washington Wilkes down to Quitman. Um, that could be a game where if Brooks County jumps out early, Washington Wilkes kind of says, "We got a long bus ride back yeah. home. Don't really want to be here. It was a great year. Nobody expected us to do this. Yeah. Let's just let's punt this the, ball. We've made our statement." In now the, the the X factor though is if Dalen Cobb and and uh, I think it's Zacchaeus Jackson. If they can get going and they and Washington Wilkes scores first, yeah. look out. I agree. I think this game will be decided in the first half.
1: If if Washington Wilkes can get something going and hang in this game, then they'll be motivated to play. We kind of had the conversation that Washington Wilkes is a, is a great team athletically and they have good coaching. But what we saw against Commerce is they weren't very disciplined. Mm-hmm. And and that can lend itself to kind of checking out of games. If mm-hmm. if it get that's kind of a sign of not being – mentally tough. And I, I hate to say that about a team, but I'll pull it for Washington Wilkes. I want them to win this game, but I don't know if they have it in the cards.
0: Yeah, a, a lot will, de- will be decided, I think, in the first half is, is whether this one's going to be a close one, which I think Washington Wilkes got the talent to beat anybody. Yeah. Um, so, if, you know, if it's, if it's close, it's going to be a toss-up. I know Brooks County's uh, very strong as well. Um, one team that has beaten Brooks County – it's coming up to commerce. Yep. Them in- Indians. Irwin County Indians. Commerce. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk. You know what? Take over, Sol. This, this is your time to shine. <laughs> each week. Each week. This is uh, Saul's moment. This is where the electric factory happens. <laughs> Tell us about Osceola and Irwin County. All right, so we got the Irwin
1: County ending Indians. <laughs> well, we're off to a hot start, folks. I knew you were gonna jinx me. <laughs> from Region Two A in public, uh, they hail from Osceola, Georgia. Population: thirty-four hundred and fourteen. The overall population of the county is less than ten thousand. So there's a lot. There's a high percentage of the population that lives in Osceola. There's only uh, ninety-five hundred and thirty-eight that live in uh, Irwin County as a whole. Uh, The county was created in 1818 and was named for Jared Jared Irwin. Um, In history, Irwin County has kind of been famous for a couple of things. One thing is uh, the community of Irwinville was where uh, Jefferson Davis, fugitive president of the Confederate States of America was captured um, by some Union soldiers from Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, the kind of story goes is that he was, he was trying to make his way to the coast to get onto a ship to flee to England so that he could get political asylum because he was a fugitive, he was, he was a traitor to the United States of America. And um, he was trying to get down, get on the Alapaha River maybe, get down to the Savannah, get down to the port and sneak out of there with his family. Um, and And they were stopping in Irwinville to rest, and he went into this hotel and started socializing with folks and kind of um, just talking to people and Then he went back to his camp and word got out and uh and the the Union Army went, and they captured Jefferson Davis there in irwin county uh there It was pretty cool well, history. history lesson, and something that i wasn't quite as sure on, like this is well documented <laughs> history. But there's a little bit more local history that's on the internet that says that Irwin County was a stronghold for union sympathizers, which culturally today, you just don't, you wouldn't expect that because Irwin's in a very, uh, it's a very deep south type county. And agriculture. And agricultural. Um, So, you know, that kind of surprised me and I don't know, you know, I didn't get to verify that history. Uh there's also a, a huge uh immigration and customs enforcement prison in uh Osceola. That's ICE, the abbreviation. Uh agriculture is huge in Irwin County. Dino kind of alluded to that. In Osceola, each year they have the Sweet Potato Festival, which was canceled this year unfortunately. Yeah. That's a that's COVID. a big South Georgia uh vegetable festival. Um got some more Statistics, some more history, uh, data that that was a little bit sketchy. It's from the always reliable CityData.com. Uh, some farm statistics here. The average farm in Irwin County is 396 uh, acres. Um, in recent years, one the, the the acreage of corn grown in that county was over 10,000 acres, and the acreage of cotton grown in that county was over 30,000 acres. So they, this like Dino said, this is a very agricultural county. Um they they also made history um for another reason, a podcast. Um that's called Up and Vanish. And I never listened to this podcast, but it got pretty
0: popular. It's kind of a
1: crime podcast.
0: And Dino, I think you listened to it, right? I did. Can you tell us a little bit about Up and Vanish? Yeah, it's a story of uh Tara Grinstead, and I think if you're, I know we have some listeners that are are in their age range that would remember this case. Um, It was that took place in Osceola, of course, and it was a huge like national story for several years, and it was a cold case. And this guy Payne Lindsay basically did like an investigative documentary podcast type deal um, that really got the case like back heated up, and they ended up at the end of the podcast, someone was arrested, and I think I don't know if he's been tried or not yet, but it's been this crazy saga um since that podcast started it's 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 a really good broad, uh, pod and um yeah so that was national news out of Osceola. and if you probably ask somebody you know in the middle of LA or something yeah. if they what is that, you know probably wouldn't know otherwise <laughs> other than that this the murder case right and uh you know sh- the the woman was was kind of hidden right her remains were hidden yeah it was a really kind of i think it was a pretty brutal murder and yeah. the remains hidden and uh there were some involvements of like politicians' sons and stuff and it got real sketchy and it's like one of those south georgia things where like people don't talk talk about about it it, (laughs) and it was like like there's some weird stuff going on um so yeah uh, definitely an interesting story if you want to read more about that yeah
1: thinking about Irwin county though and it being a really rural county agricultural county there's a lot of places to hide someone if you were going to murder someone Um, um but getting on from that sort really of morbid We're, We took a weird weird uh <laughs> weird, weird type turn, turn there. We're, Hard left. <laughs>
0: Let's get back to Irwin <laughs>
1: County, <song>. So uh <laughs> the zip code down there in Osceola. Uh the mailman hitting the, us with the zip. The zip code Hit is three seventeen seventy four down
0: there in that <laughs> South
1: Dude. Georgia
0: area of three seventeen. Um if you, you said three seventeen seventy one? Seventy four. Oh, I was about to say it was like almost a, another kind of uh Chickamauga deal. Yeah, where it was like three o three o three or whatever. Yeah, it, was, it would have been like parallel. How about that?
1: But not okay.
0: <laughs> Unfortunate.
1: <laughs> um, talking about football here, Irwin County started their football program in 1952. They've been playing consecutively since then, 69 seasons to the 2020 season. Uh, they have a successful program. Uh, 458 wins to 290 losses, 17 ties, a 61 percent winning percentage. Uh, as mentioned before, they play in Region Two in Class A Public. They have 15 region titles; their last coming this season. Two state titles. Um, their first state title coming in 1975, a uh, 39 to 13 win over Jefferson, which is fun to say. And then their last uh, their last state title came in 2019. It was a 56 to 14 win over Marion County last year. Finally got over the hump. Finally got over the hump. They had been in a lot of uh lot of deep playoff runs since twenty thirteen. They've been in the mm-hmm. quarterfinals or better since that season and a master record of eighty six and eighteen, which mm-hmm. is an eighty two point six winning percentage. Uh they'd played in a lot of state title games. Uh five actually five state title t- uh games in those those years since twenty thirteen. Um, from 2014 to 2019, they were led by head coach, Buddy Nobles. As many of you probably remember from last year, he, he died from cancer, um, kind of right around the same time they won their state title. It's kind of a tragic story. Um, the interim head coach who was there last season kind of helped the program get along while coach Nose was Nobles was trying to, uh, coach as well as he could. His name is Casey Soliday and he got promoted to head coach and he is the head coach right now. Um, Commerce, Irwin County, the series is, is a short series uh, it's a two game series, we've played them twice we're 0-2, we've played them on the road both times, in the playoffs both times, mm-hmm. uh, lost first in 2014 I remember I listened to this game on WJJC, this is when I was working in the greenhouse industry. I came home from work, oh, turned shout on out the, to the radio. <laughs> industry. It, was, it was like right before spring hit, and we were working long days. I was like, I got to get home, turn on the radio. I turned it on, and the Tigers played really well in the first half. We were up at halftime. And I was like, Are we going to the final? Or are we going to state? Are we going to state? And uh, second half, Irwin County came and shut that idea down. Uh, they were ranked sixth in that contest beat us 28 to 7 and then in 2018 uh they beat us in the quarterfinals 26 to 23 uh Irwin was ranked first at the time and that was a game that our uh potluck boy colton dean was at the 2018 Irwin county game one that uh some tiger players will certainly remember
0: yeah i was there i went down cold rainy night down there in Osceola uh went down with the film crew actually so I had like some sideline pass with capital j journalism <laughs> on display that was kind of when I was an army of one I was just doing it on my own personal twitter account yeah. tweeting out the, the the threads for for the people you had a uh, great thread uh hashtag too it was a thriller in Osceola that year thriller in Osceola yep uh and it was it definitely was that um you mentioned the, the you know some of the shortcomings. They've gotten to the Final Four a lot, and they've gotten to state championships. But between 75 and 2019, they hadn't won one. I actually took a picture of the board down there uh, and put it on Twitter. I'll retweet some of these threads uh, tomorrow or, or later today, um, just so if people are interested, kind of going back and yeah, seeing how cool. Commerce, uh, you know, kind of lost this game. <laughs> um or Irwin won it. I mean, either way, you know, close game, somebody had to lose. But kind of, you know, at halftime, Commerce was up 14-7, to and it really could have been 14 nothing. Irwin scored late to end the first half. There was no blood in the third quarter. Uh, Commerce stopped him out of the gates. Um, and then Commerce drove the ball all the way down to the 12-yard line to start the fourth, kind of knocking on the door down there. The Tigers got stopped on third down. Air Diaz, our guy, redeemed his he, – he missed one in the first quarter, but he redeemed that. Uh, Commerce went up 17 to seven to start the fourth. So um, at this point, things were looking really good. Um, Irwin did answer. They drove down and scored. They converted on a fourth and five. They missed the PAT. So it was Commerce 17, Irwin County 13 with seven minutes left. The first play from scrimmage on the Commerce drive. That next drive, um, Roach uh, found a big hole, but the ball did slip out of his hands. Uh, Irwin County scooped it up and returned it deep into Tiger territory. I think the next play, uh, DJ Lundy, which was their running back back then, great player, uh, played linebacker as well. He cashed in. Irwin went for two and were and they were denied. Um, that made it Commerce seventeen, Irwin nineteen. So just some big momentum swings in the fourth yeah. quarter, where it was a kind of a game where not a whole lot was happening until the, the fourth quarter. Uh, there was six forty five left to play at this point. Um, Fourth and four for Commerce at mid at midfield. Uh, they scored. The two-point conversion did fail. So it was Commerce 23 to 19, just under three minutes to play. And then Irwin put together a really good drive. They had three timeouts, and they, they it was really effective. They got down inside the 10-yard line with under a minute to play. The clock was just chewing. Um, Lundy did put the ball on the ground. It somehow <laughs> defied the laws of physics and bounced out of bounds. So I was right in that end zone. And I could not believe the ball hopped that straight right as soon as there was about two Tigers closing in on it. Um, so 39 seconds left uh, on the five, they scored the next play. Um, Tigers did get the ball back with Irwin County up 26 to 23. Uh, threw a deep pass that was picked off and that was kind of the end of the game. But so for the majority of the game, three quarters, it seemed like Commerce was in pretty good control. The offense was, was moving the ball pretty well. Um, but you know, Irwin and Commerce now are more familiar with yeah. with each other, facing these facing you know twice in the past ten years in these in the playoffs. So, but the twenty twenty season is where we're at now. Uh, like I said, I'll retweet that thread. Uh, there's a couple of them that I from two thousand eighteen from my Twitter account. If anybody's interested in that, <laughs> uh, Irwin County Indians twenty twenty season. They're eight and three, five and one. Region two champions. They came out of the gates with two straight losses. They lost to Number one Fitzgerald, twenty-one to six. Number one in AA. That is, um, and that's a that's a pretty big rivalry game down there. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not too far apart. Probably like know, the next county The distance between us and Athens maybe yeah. less. Um, so, um, did lose that one, twenty-one to six. They lost to Cook, twenty-one to twenty, which had a Cook had a solid year in AA. They finally uh, gotten the W in the win column, Wilkinson County. They beat them forty-four to nothing, and then they went on a little bit of a run. They won six straight. Uh, after dropping the first two, they, they also beat uh, – important wins would be Tiff County. They beat the 7 eight team 35-20. Uh, then they went on the road to Brooks County and won 21-13, to 13, which was a huge win. At mm-hmm. the time, I think that was 1v2. So they were number one for about three weeks. Um, they hammered Lanier County, hammered Atkinson County, hammered Charlton County. And then inexplicably go down to Clinch County and lose thirteen to nothing. That's the most question mark. The biggest question mark on their entire schedule is yeah. like, how did that game happen, and what happened there? Um, although Clinch County has proven that they're a good team that may go to the Final Four.
1: Yeah, and Clinch is always Irwin's kryptonite too. It seems like they, every year. Every
0: year they sneak up on them some it's way. It's insane. We should have got those stats, but there is it had there. There's a stat out there that has to say something about how. Irwin County would defeat Clinch in the regular season and then and lose, then to lose in, the in the playoffs. playoffs. <laughs> it was like for three or four years out of the past like six yeah. it, before they won state, finally got over the hump. Incredible. Um it's just one of those things in rivalry games. Like it, I know it's cliche to say, well, you gotta toss the results out the window, but that's one that for sure that holds true. Then they've uh, they've they've won three straight now. Uh, they beat Turner County to end the regular season. Then they won round one over Jenkins County forty one to seven and they won round 2 in a game that we covered pretty heavily over Wilcox County 14 to 0. Um the first half of that game was 0 to 0 all up until the last like few minutes. Mm-hmm. I actually had somebody that was there at that game, uh one of my friends from Wilcox County, and he uh said that there was I think a personal like a couple personal fouls called late in the game that got them like on the down on the goal line with like hardly any seconds left. They scored and then uh, they scored once more in the second half, and just kind of and kind of held on um, for an impressive win, though, yeah. over Wilcox County. Overall opponent opponent record for Irwin County is a little bit different than the story we've preached the past two weeks. Yeah. Their overall opponent record is seventy-two and fifty-seven.
1: Yeah, they've played a lot of quality teams going back to the first week when they played Fitzgerald. So uh,
0: they've got some impressive wins. Yeah, that you know, even the Fitzgerald loss and the Cook loss; those are two that. Early in the year I know they had some problems with COVID, so who knows who they had at Fitzgerald. They may that could have been a team that they could have beaten. know yeah. Um, if they hadn't a, you know, I know their coach was in the hospital earlier in the season of yeah. COVID, so they probably had some cases on the team too, but um this is a team that this is the best team that commerce will have seen since Athens Academy, yeah. I think. Uh region two champions obviously, which is highly touted region. Yep. Year in, year out, one of the best. Yep. Um
1: they arguably might be better than Athens Academy, especially, especially at since the, the last part of the season. Um, what what did you see on about them on film uh, that you've watched this week?
0: Yeah, we didn't do quite as much film uh, work as we've done the previous weeks, but we did take a look at some of the stuff they do. Uh, they're equally as effective through the air and on the ground. Um, they operate out of kind of some option sets, some single back. They do some shotgun. They kind of do a lot of different things. They can pick up yardage on the ground in chunks, and they they do like to hit the seams when they pass. It's almost like I'll talk about these guys in a minute, but the uh, the Benyard brothers, it's like the quarterback just kind of you know it's like I throw it up. He's at, one of the Benyards is out there somewhere. <laughs> just, just, let's just throw it up. Um, but they 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 hit it a lot, and they're they're effective with it. Um, on defense, they're. they're there isn't hardly any film out there on their defense that's available just kind of to the general public. Mostly just highlights packages and stuff that we yeah. reviewed. But uh, several other key players do play both ways, including the Binyards and the and Cam Ward, uh, who's a who's a big player. We'll talk about. I'm not sure if it's Binyard or Binyard. Um, I heard it pronounced on a, on a news clipping as Binyard, but the other guy in the studio was pronouncing it Binyard. But we'll just call them uh, Gabe and Garland. How about that? <laughs> they're work. twins. Um, That'll work. But just to touch on special teams before we get out of film review, Evan Ross is the kicker. He's 34-40 on the year on PATs, but he has missed two field goals. Um, should we jump right into the key players? Let's go. Uh, so, they're, it's funny, the parallels here. They're uh, <laughs> Their quarterback's number 10. He's a sophomore. His name's Cody Soliday. Coach's son. The coach's son. <laughs> kind of like we played uh, last week against Gordon Lee and kind of like Trey Huff. Yep. So it's, it's pretty funny. Um, he does have just under 1,500 yards through the air this year, uh, 18 touchdowns to six interceptions, and he's only lost one fumble all year. Sounds like a really responsible player. Yeah, he leads that offense pretty well, um, even as a sophomore. Getting into the, kind of the, the three guys that have really impressed this year, that's senior Cam Ward. He's a running back, fullback, middle linebacker, 500-pound um, squat, 315 clean. He runs a 4-5-40 uh, leading rusher. He's got just under 800 yards, 7.9 yards per carry, 14 touchdowns. Reminds me a lot of Zacchaeus Jackson that we played uh, from Washington Wilkes. Okay. He's a strong runner. He's tough to bring down. Um, he's going to make an impact on both sides of the ball. And then the the twins, the Binyard brothers, uh, Gabe and Garland, Talk about Gabe first. He he has 392 yards rushing, four touchdowns uh, on the year. 634 yards receiving with six touchdowns through the air. He also has four interceptions and at least two he's returned for touchdowns on the on the INT side defensive side. He plays running back some. He plays wide receiver some in the slot and he plays corner. So kind of a utility uh tool out there. Yeah, if my mind serves correct, he
1: was the player that jumped a route in the TIFF county game and took it back for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Is that
0: right? Yeah. His brother, twin brother, number seven, Garland. Uh number twelve is Gabe, number seven's Garland. Uh so Garland is kind of the same thing. He's kind of a utility uh player. He plays running back, plays wide receiver, plays a little bit outside linebacker, kinda of like a spy sometimes. He has 236 yards rushing with one touchdown on the year, 198 yards through the air with two touchdowns receiving, and an interesting story about Garland, uh, insane. He was actually accidentally shot in the chest in 2019 uh, during the 2019 football season. Uh, It caused him to miss the rest of the season, but thankfully has made a full recovery from that incident and is back on the field playing ball Less than a year, really, less than a year after that, he was shot in the chest with a firearm. Yes, with a bullet. We're talking about a bullet. (laughs) This kid took a bullet in the chest, and uh, now he's playing again. They, it was kind of unclear whether they they drove to the hospital, but (laughs) either way, he got to the to a hospital in Macon ultimately, and uh, started uh, doing some rehab, and he's he's back. a lot of his family members were on that news kind of clipping and just saying how lucky they were that he didn't that it wasn't a lot worse. Yeah. Um, so incredible story there for Garland. Another two players to mention is number two senior Derek Thomas. He plays running back, 345 yards on the year with four touchdowns. Also a familiar name uh, for Commerce Tiger fans. Number 22 is sophomore Demarcus Lundy, who plays running back. He doesn't give a whole lot of playing time, but if you were there two years ago, his brother DJ Lundy, was running back, which we mentioned earlier. Let's get right into the matchups. Uh, so number one is can Commerce move the ball and put drives together? It's a similar thing that we had as number one last last week, but a couple of stats to to throw at the listeners about Irwin County. They allowed negative 22 rushing yards last week against Wilcox County, which we've covered as, as a good team and does have a good running back. They've only they're only allowing ten point nine points per game to opponents this year, which is fourth best in class A.
1: Yeah, and this is a matchup for Commerce that we we've done better with as the course of the season has gone on. Against Washington Wilkes, against Lincoln County, against Gordon Lee, physical defenses, we've been able to get some movement and, and generate some positive yardage on offense. Uh the converse uh evidence to that assertion is is back when we played Athens Academy, we couldn't do that. We were limited to only like 67 yards right. total offense. So we've got to be able to put together some
0: drives, get some scores. Number two, can we eliminate Irwin's explosive plays? So runs over 15 yards and passes over 20 yards. That's what defines a an explosive play here. Um, can we force them to put long drives together? What what I've seen on, on film for Irwin County is they do hit those seams really well with the Vineyard brothers. Uh, Cam Ward is a great running back that finds a way to get 10 to 20 yards. So he really can chunk, get real big chunks of yardages. Um, we got to defend those seam routes, get the Ben yard brothers down on the ground, or maybe just don't let him catch the ball at all. It's probably <laughs> the best strategy. Yeah. And also get Cam on the ground with, in, you know, kind of one to five yard range yeah. instead of letting him get going five to 10 yards because he's tough to bring down
1: yeah and we we've done a good job at limiting explosive plays runs over fifteen've done an excellent job this year passes over uh twenty yards uh we've only allowed nine of them <laughs> on the season, and I think commerce has has uh had seventy three
0: those stats courtesy of uh anthony Gaddis yeah unbelievable uh stats there number three is kind of the thing that we talk we've talked about since we started doing matchup segments in the in the the playoffs I think is kind of when we started this or maybe against Washington wilkes but it's the same thing. I mean, it's going to be your self-inflicted mistakes and the X factor, which is special teams. Uh, penalties and turnovers and special teams.
1: Yeah, and I think we can we can limit our penalties. We have to be disciplined. We can't jump off sides on fourth and two. Um, turnover-wise, you know, that's going to be a battle. Every every night, every Friday night it is. Uh, can we force some fumbles? Can we put some pressure on that QB so if he throws a poor ball and get it, we can get an interception? I think we can win the special teams battle. I think we have some of the best special teams in the state. Set it all year, and it can really be a positive for
0: us. Um, it definitely could. Um, there's a Ben Monroe piece that he wrote this week uh, about some of the self-inflicted mistakes that the Tigers did overcome against Gordon Lee. Um, we mentioned, you know, Lady Luck seems like it's been on our side <laughs> a little bit in a few games this year, but will that be the case against Irwin County? I mean, no offense against no offense to Gordon Lee, but. If we have a lot of those same mistakes against Irwin County, we may be having a little bit of a more somber podcast Yeah. Yeah, we have to play our best game against Irwin. We need to be clean, and I think we can do that. I think so, too. That gets us right into predictions. Commerce will be a home underdog as Irwin County is favored by six. So the projected score from Maxwell is Irwin 21, Commerce 15. Uncle Saul, let's get you on the record. So uh, we we talked about this
1: yesterday, and uh, I gave you my score. It was uh, twenty four to twenty. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to that pretty well. I'm only gonna change that. I think Irwin County doesn't miss a PAT. I think the Tigers Tigers win twenty four to twenty one, and we get a semifinal berth.
0: I'm going to say Commerce wins a tight one. I like Commerce 21-20, to 20, late touchdown, Air Diaz wins it for the Tigers. Oh, man,
1: that would be awesome.
0: <laughs> that would be so great. I think, uh, like we mentioned, uh, both of our predictions hinge on Commerce playing probably the best game that they've played all year. Um, so, we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> we got uh, great, great matchups across the state on tap for Friday night. We're looking forward to the Tigers of Commerce taking on the Indians of Irwin County. I'll harp on it again. If you are able, <laughs> get to Ray Lamb Stadium and cheer on the Tigers. Big, loud crowds certainly make a difference in a tight game. Yes, they do. Um, if you're outside traveling distance and can't make it, give us a follow on Twitter at Football, and we will keep you up to date live, live and in color. <laughs> Potluck Pick'em will be up by the time you are hearing this. Get your picks in on Twitter. Also on the playoff poll that we started, the single-A public playoff poll, Mike Dunbar leads the way currently uh, with 56 points, followed closely by Derek Wiley uh, with 52 points. So those two have full control at this point. Mike has the Tigers of Commerce winning it all. Derek has the Tigers of Metter winning it all. Hmm. Just an update. Dublin hurt a lot of people last week. A lot of people had Dublin, you know, defending double-A champs, kind of winning uh, single-A, including myself. Um, (laughs) But I did have commerce in the Final Four. But, uh, yeah, so it'll depend on kind of who kind of comes out on top uh, the rest of the way. But just shout-out to those two guys, Mike and and Derek. I think Derek is one of our uh, out-of-state listeners. I think think he's out uh, still in Oregon maybe. Um, But shout-out to Kevin and Derek, both uh, (laughs) commerce grads listening to the program. So that's where we're at in the playoff pool. That's all we have. Anything to touch up on before we leave the people and get ready for Friday night in Ray Lamb Stadium? Looking forward to it. It's going to be a great night. We'll see you all there. Go Tigers.